Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Welcome to the Habitat Podcast, the podcast for wildlife habitat management, hunting strategy, and land stewardship. And now, your host, Jared Van Heeks. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Habitat Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Van Heeks, and we are here with another game plan episode. We have Adam Miller from the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast, a friend of mine over in West Michigan with a nice public land buck. So we're going to dive into his story, how he killed that deer, what helped him kill that deer, and hopefully we can learn something from this, put it into our own game plans for hunting this weekend. Guys, uh, let's get right to it. I want to keep these game plan episodes informative, short and sweet, and helpful to y'all. I want to thank you listeners for coming back once again. We can't do this without you. Really appreciate the great reviews and the attention uh, you guys pay to to the podcast and and just the fact that you come back and listen and and interact with us is just really cool. So thank you very much for that. I want to thank Packer Max Cultipackers, HuntWise, The Habitat Hook, Michigan Whitetail Pursuit, Realtree United Country Lake States Realty and Auction, Morse Nursery, Killer Food Plots, and Sound Barrier Hunting. Guys, thanks so much for supporting us. Give our sponsors and partners a look if you have some time. Let's get right into it now with a game plan episode with Adam Miller on a nice Michigan public land A-point. All right, everybody, we're back. Another game plan episode here for you. We have Adam Miller from West Michigan, a buddy of mine, also a uh, host of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. What's going on, Adam? Oh, well, you know, uh, by doing podcasts and other things, you know, like you and I both do, um, this is the time of year where, you know, work gets in the way of everything that we want to be doing. So <laughs> you've got uh, a honeydew list, you've got hunting, uh, you've got work, all of those things are coming together and you're trying to make hunting the biggest priority. So, um Busy, busy. <laughs> uh, I hear you there. I'm halfway through my lunch right now. You're on lunch break, I believe. So we're uh, we're trying to keep this as fresh and and quick as possible for the listeners, and that way we can get back to our well, not the fun stuff, but the stuff that got that has to be done. <laughs> right. 
So let's hear a little bit about who you are, where you're from real quick, and then we'll get into uh, your hunt from yesterday. Sure. Um, I'm from West Michigan, uh, born and raised, uh, hunted, mostly rifle hunted up until uh, I got finished with the Marines or got into the Marines, and and it just wasn't any fun anymore uh, shooting things with a rifle. So, I mean, I had bow hunted all along, but I don't think I killed my first deer with a bow until I was 21, 20, somewhere in there, and um, it just hooked me. So, um, mostly uh, public land around here. We do have a big piece of property up in the UP, but it's a seven-hour drive, so we don't get up there very much. So, just bang around on public land, and, you know, I'm fortunate enough to, you know, by creating a podcast, I created a conduit to pick the brains of all of the um, you know, the great hunters are the guys that I look up to. And, uh, so it's very much self-serving. So we do everything kind of from the new guy to public land, the, the guy that's just transitioning, maybe he's never killed a deer with his bow, maybe, maybe never killed a buck, maybe he's trying to step it up. Um, so we do that and it's definitely helped me, um, become a better hunter. Although I, I'm still touting myself as the world's worst bow hunter because everything <laughs> seems to go wrong. <laughs> that's hunting in general, man. That's Murphy's law, right? That's, that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but I mean, I was talking last night with, uh, with Zach Farenbaugh, uh, from the hunting public, um, doing a, a podcast and, you know, we got to talking about that saying like every year, the first time you get so excited on that first year of the year that you get drawn back on. And you're like, oh, this is it. This is going to be my only opportunity. And then you mess it up, you know, because we don't get to do it over and over and over. So you have to make the most of those opportunities that you do get. Um, and he said, you know, it's just one of those things is you can't look at it as it's the the only opportunity. It's just an opportunity. And so, you just, you know, if it's not there, don't force it. Uh, but I think that that's something in my youth and even as I was I'm growing as a bow hunter, that's one of the things that I – that that has caused me to earn that title. Hey, I've I've been in the same boat. I I get super jacked up and um, sometimes impatient, or you know, and and that can lead to to bad decisions or or not waiting for the right opportunities. So I I fully understand. And uh, kudos to you for for putting that out there for everybody to kind of commiserate with and learn from. I like that. Yeah, I mean it. it it just seems that that's the one thing that has always happened is like, I'll miss the first deer or two. And then, you know, then things start to, you start to settle down and say, okay, don't do that again because it's fresh, but you don't remember it from 360 days ago. You know, you don't remember the first deer that you screwed up last year. You know, you're just thinking you're just that you've waited all year for this one opportunity. And now, you know, you don't know how to handle that. Well, you did not screw up yesterday morning, so that's once it, once you texted me last night, I was floored. I was sitting in the deer blind with my daughter, all jacked up, seeing those buck pictures. So, want to get you on here and um, try to learn from from what you pulled off yesterday. I guess uh, walk us through kind of what you know about the area you were in. You were in some public land in West Michigan, which I grew up hunting. I mean, it's definitely not easy. Um, Tell us about kind of where you were and why you decided to pick the spot you were in and then get right into your, your deer story, if you don't mind. Yeah, I mean, it's a well-known giant piece of 
public that gets hunted from all sides, you know, plenty of access. Um, where we were hunting isn't any sort of secret spot per se. Um, but, you know, there's some farm fields around, there's some, some swampy area. Um, and it's, it's just basically a big piece of property and, you know, with lots of access, you know, you get a lot of time to explore. So, um, you know, my father-in-law and his hunting buddy have hunted this property for forever. And, um, they just kind of know where to go. And, and when I was younger, you know, I took that for granted. So I just followed along and I wasn't ever paying attention. And they said, sit here and, you know, maybe you'll see something. And they always put me in bad spots, I said, because they'd always see deer and I wouldn't. <laughs> so, so, you know, and over the past decade or so, I've been hunting out there myself, um, you know, and we're, we're constantly watching how everything adjusts. And so basically on one side, you've got farm fields. The other side, you've got marsh and bedding. And in the middle there is a big kind of like oak flat or whatever. So, we went in there, well, they went in there last year, early season, and there was just a ton of sign. I mean, like a ton of rubs and scrapes and everything like that. And um, one thing that you can focus on, right, is you, you see that much sign, you can be overwhelmed and you can be like, oh, man, I got to sit right here. But I think what helped me yesterday is kind of them knowing the area and then looking at actually what was happening. Uh, I killed a buck in there last year, and, and they had killed some deer back in there last year as well. And we were pushed up a little bit closer to the bedding. And so this year when we went in there, there's no oaks. I mean, there's no acorns. So it wasn't like, you know, we were in the hot spot where they were feeding. They're just still using that area as a travel corridor from feed to bed. But they're just not milling about in there. So when we went in there, we we went in um, like the last weekend of September and just kind of, as John Eberhardt would call it, did a like a speed tour and looked at where the fresh sign was. And so we saw all the areas last year where there was community scrapes and rubs, and then we saw new rubs pop up. But um, one thing that, that we did is we, we looked up and took really notice to the rubs that were up against the bedding. So... You know, I've heard guys talk about this, and you listen to, you know, like I said, we get an opportunity to talk to guys like Dan and Paul, you know, some of those those guys who say, you know, don't get mesmerized by a lot of sign. You have to look at the right sign. And for a guy that's, you know, just moving on to public land, or even if you have, you know, a, a piece of private that holds deer and, and you've got noted deer movement or, or where they're feeding or something, you know, these rubs were, we knew where they were feeding, and it was quite a ways away, but they all kind of necked down into this one area, which we knew to be bedding. So we just kind of set up on those rubs, and there was a couple little scrapes and stuff, but it wasn't like we were setting up on that that rub, that tree, right? So don't, you know, get me wrong, you know, and say, well, there's a rub. I got to be able to shoot at that rub. But you can see direction of travel and you can see as it starts to thicken up, you know, that's why they're going back in there would be to bed. So in the morning, if you can get up against that bedding with a good wind and you're in there early, 
you know, chances are there's going to be deer moving back there to go to bed. Now, whether it's, you know, a big giant, you know, shooter buck or if it's just a spike or a bunch of little bucks making a, a bunch of sign making it look big, um, you know, who knows. But so um, yesterday I went in kind of had an idea of where I wanted to go. I knew where I'd killed a deer last year. Uh, they'd gone in there and missed a buck and killed two other bucks on uh, Monday. So they said, okay, well, we saw a deer here and we saw a deer here. And if you would have sat right here, you would have seen all of them. And they kind of gave me an idea. But and, I had... And they being... My father-in-law and, and his buddy. You know, yep. they're retired, yep. so they hunt. Frank you know, and Ernie, Monday's right? a great day. Yep. And and Monday's a, a great day to hunt because, you know, it's not the weekend pressure. And then I killed this deer on a Thursday, you know. And there was one other guy in there, um, and he was in there well well before I was. But um, okay. so, so I got in there, and from our scouting and then from talking to those guys, you know, on my base map, I had two spots marked off. And I was checking the wind, and it was actually kind of a bad wind. Um, I had the I had the wrong wind, but it was a one mile an hour wind. And the predominant wind, there's a draft that that was opposite that. So, so I decided just to chance it, you know, because of that that draft and that there being being basically no wind, you know, it was going to kind of, you know counteract each other so there was basically no my scent wasn't going to be blowing right right where and maybe it was going to give me a shot well everything's done in this spot because it is hunting bedding by like nine o'clock and eight thirty, i saw a small buck come behind me and okay so i had those two spots marked on on base map and i knew one of them was a had big rubs that were going to bedding and another one is where i had set up on this main run last year and from what they told me i decided well if i can get right in between those two i can probably see both of them so i'm going to have a visual on these deer and i can see what's going on but more than likely because it's not that far away and deer i mean yes deer make trails and they make runs but they don't it's not like our highways they don't just stay there you know they zigzag right. back and forth and it's just kind of you know, and a way that they move through. So I was thinking, well, maybe if one of them was off either way, you know, I might get a chance to shoot one by putting myself in the middle and not putting my all my eggs in one basket because they had seen deer all over through there. So it wasn't like, and it wasn't like I went to a specific tree. So I just walked in in the dark and I got to about where I wanted to be and looked around and said, okay, well, the the runway and the rubs to the bedding are, to known buck bedding are over here to my right over here to my left is that main runway there's a tree in the middle i think i can get up so i got up that tree and at 8 30 i had a small buck come behind me right on the thick edge right into the that that buck bedding kind of corridor and at nine o'clock i was like well everything's pretty much done at nine so this is going to be you know kind of like a wasted sit and my thinking on that was not because like the deer weren't moving through there or whatever um but because there was no wind i felt like there was a chance that the deer didn't feel as comfortable and those guys were in there on monday and maybe it was too soon 
Um, but I just, I was just thinking that it was too calm, you know. So yeah, you know, sure. we that they, you know, they might feel vulnerable there. They might feel a lot more comfortable there with a wind that's in their favor, you know. So that's kind of what I chalked it up to. Not that I was in the wrong spot or that I didn't didn't do anything right. But literally, I looked up from my watch, and it was like 9.05, and there was just like a rack right there. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Okay, so this went from zero to 100 real quick. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, just like you, I'm filming. So I flip on all the cameras, move the main camera to where I think it's in frame. And, uh, I mean, I drew back. I had a tree range. I'm hunting from a saddle, so... I had a tree ranged at 18 on the left side of the tree, you know, my strong side. So literally, after I got the cameras turned on, I picked up my bow. I took a deep breath, drew my bow, and I never even stopped the deer. He came right to that tree at 17 yards, and so he was probably 18. And I shot him hard quartering, too, and uh, right I always, it's just funny because I'm the world's worst bow hunter and this is the shot that always presents me, but I shoot him high shoulder and the neck. Um, and you know, we've talked with the uh, ranch ferry and the heavy arrows and, uh, just got back from hunting out West elk. So I'm using a big heavy arrow with a big fixed blade. And, uh, I shot the deer, like I said, high shoulder. I didn't know where it exited, but I got a pastor so i mean stay with me here i'm sitting in the tree i shoot this deer and i'm like oh man and he it, it rolled him over um it didn't roll him over backwards like from the hit like you would do you know like you would think with a rifle or something where you just lay something down but he went to to put his plant his right foot in front of in front of him to run and there was nothing there like it broke his shoulder and he flipped over and then he got up, and it cut through. It actually exited uh, right in the pocket on the other side, and I think it cut his heart and lungs off because there was no holes in the heart or lungs at all. But he only went, like, 85 yards, 95 yards from where I was sitting, and the shot was 18. So, you know, less than 100 yards, he went and piled up. Wow. But the whole time, like, he would get up, roll over. He was pushing both of his front legs. So – in my mind, I made a terrible shot, you know, because that's not what's supposed to happen, right? Like, Corner you're not. Two, yeah, yep. You wanna you wanna shoot them, and then they don't even know what happens. They just walk walk off and tip over, or they do that hard run. And so I'm just freaking out, you know. And then, you know, I get down. I, I could see my arrow through the binoculars, and the fletchings were all covered in blood, so. I knew I got a pass through. It wasn't broken. Um, everything, it wasn't just all bright red muscle blood. It looked kind of dirty. So I was thinking maybe because of that angle, it got through the guts, but it didn't. It was just, it was just dirty. Um, but yeah, he went 85 yards or so and he was dead right there. And it's a, I mean, for Michigan, it's a great buck. I mean, public land, even better. That piece of property, amazing. <laughs> um, uh, it, but, it, I mean, it's probably 80, 90-inch. It wants to be a 10-point. It's a mainframe 8, but it's just starting the the 10th 
ninth and tenth points on the end there. Gotcha. So. Well, hey, man, congratulations much how it shaped on up. <laughs> Thanks. Like I said, it was, you know, it's one of those things where on public land, I, uh, I've never killed a deer that I have, I've had pictures or I have history with or anything like that. It's, you know, I just try and put myself in a spot where you're going to have an opportunity and you never know what's going to come by. You know, we, we've hunted out of state, Ohio, Missouri, uh, stuff like that. And, you know, those big three, four five year old bucks out there, you really never know what's going to come by. But I think we forget about that in Michigan that there, there could be a good deer in there and you just haven't seen them, you know? Yeah, yeah, deer here know how to avoid us, trail cameras, everything. Um, and I just, I applaud you for getting out there and, and making it happen. Uh, it was the 8th of October yesterday. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run through a couple things here to, why, to what I'm getting out of why I think you killed that buck. And then you tell me if I'm on or off on, on any of them. Um, mm-hmm. I think... When you had the wind a little bit iffy, I think that maybe it wasn't great for you, but it could always be great for the deer, which is something that I'm transitioning onto a lot more, putting myself in more of a risky position for me, but good for the deer. And what I think you had going for you there was that combined with the morning thermals. So it might have been a bad wind, but you also should have had some thermal rise out of there. Um, which could have kept you safe had something come downwind from you. Yeah, I, I, I was dropping milkweed, and that it was definitely rising. And, yeah. you know, I, I shot that deer quartering too, but I didn't want him to get any further because that would have been into that bad wind. I mean, we've all had been at full draw and had a gust of wind blow it for us. For so sure. For I sure. just took. I just took what I could get, but yeah, I, I was getting some some thermal rise there. No, I think if shooting him before he gets to your wind, had it not been a thermal rise, or maybe it had been a gust, you having that in your head that you knew that is is key. If you can shoot him before they get to you to your wind, your bad wind, then you're good. Uh, that's as you know, that's awesome. Um, well done there. I think uh, a couple other things that I wrote down as you were telling your story. I think you guys having history with that area in general um, was probably a, a big part of that. You know, it being a travel corridor between bedding and food, that's awesome, of course. That's very standard. But the fact that you guys have been in there even this week, <laughs> earlier this week, is is hot sign, you know, recent information. And then you have years of history or even a year of history in that spot. Um, do you think any of those has something to do with it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, like I said, the the fact that we went in there right before the season, and there's so many people, and it, and it was a kind of a bad, I mean, good for us, but, you know, opening day was on a Thursday. So you had, you know, you maybe had two or three days of hunting, and then, you know, probably not a lot more pressure until the end of the week, right? Right. So I think that 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 played in there, and us knowing 
you know, already seeing the sign and then those guys being in there and seeing those deer. Now, granted, they saw a ton of deer on Monday, and I saw two deer yesterday, and one of them just happened to be, you know, the, a good one, uh, right. you know, one, one to kill. And and that's kind of what you would say if you sat the same tree over and over. You would see, you know, a ton of deer the first time and then a little bit less and a little bit less and a little bit less. So I think yes, with sir. it being so early and having, you know, that much sign, you know, there was a lot of deer in there, so we were just going to take what we can get. I mean, granted, it's, you know, you're always looking for, for a good one, but it's, you know, you have to be confident in the spot. If you Now, the next time I go in there, it won't be this week and it won't be next week. It'll right. be November, you know, but that right. it'll be completely different setup because I'm not going to set up exactly on that, that bedding, and that's from being in the area and having knowledge of it, yeah. So early season, I think that that was the the key. Very nice. Yeah, I I forgot to mention something you mentioned, which is huge, was that John Eberhart type speed scouting we talked about right before we started recording. That little tour that you can do real quick this year, scouting right before season, or maybe even right now, um, to get on that hot sign. That was. That's awesome. I think that had to do with it, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last thing I had was just the fact that you're on an edge. You're on the edge of betting. Um, that kind of stuck out to me when you said something. Do you think that work, those bucks could be working that edge, whether it was the habitat edge from marsh to the woods um, or what exactly edge that was? I don't think that they were, quote, unquote, working it. I think that they are using that edge as they're betting now that's what i mean i wouldn't set up there like in the rut um because that's not an edge that they're going to be working that's an edge right there that they're gonna they're gonna work right up to there and they feel comfortable um and it's thick enough where they're going to be able to bed down and see right Um, they're going to be able to see see and smell so i was right up against the edge of where they were betting so it wasn't it wasn't necessarily an edge that like I say they they would be working they were just coming back there to get into a situation where they had the advantage got it got it yeah that makes sense so their their back would be to the cover where they could smell and then their their site they'd be facing out into maybe the open area where they can maybe see a little bit does that sound right yep yep and so that's kind of the way that it lays out it's kind of open open oaks and kind of like an open oak flat and then it goes up to uh some real thick you know there uh, there was a bunch of like wind storms years ago that created all these down tops and all this i remember stuff. those yeah it, yep and so what that's done is now there's all this underbrush and this weird understory there and so it's just kind of like nature's way of doing what you would do uh when you're doing your um Hinge cuts, and, yep. and that's that's just exactly what it is. Awesome, awesome, man. Yeah, I think um, I think what you did was was pretty awesome. It's starting to get into that time of the year where people are seeing less movement because the first week of early season and patternable stuff is now behind us. Pressure has been in the woods. Deer are starting to react, and um, I think hitting those topics that you mentioned: um, history with a spot, hot signs, some scouting. And then getting between that food and, and that bed was was awesome. So congratulations again. That's a heck of a Michigan public land buck. 
say, like I said, it's it's still just as surprising to me as it as it was then. But you know, it's the I I killed a buck two years ago, 500 yards from there, with uh, very very similar genetics. Um, so they're in there. Yeah. <laughs> so I shouldn't be surprised, I guess. No, that's that's great, man. And you think there's anything else you want to tell the listeners who might be trying to go out this weekend and maybe tromp around on some public land near them? Um, no, I just I wouldn't I wouldn't be so so worried about um where other guys are, where they had been setting up. You know, if you're seeing fresh sign and there's not anybody there, um you know, get on it if you think you've got if you think you've got an opportunity. I think that's one thing that people get so and and myself included, you know, you go out and you see somebody else's tree stand or like old boot tracks or something like that. Now that may be a reason later that you didn't see deer. Um, but we've all walked past a lot of stuff and then had deer tracks in our boot tracks, you know, so right. the, the deer are used to a little bit of, uh, inconvenience. So as long as you've got the good wind, um, and, and there's fresh sign, I mean, set up and, and kill them. Awesome, brother. Well, I want to wish you luck the, the rest of the season, and um, I'm hoping to get a little bit of your luck uh, next week when uh, I get back into the woods. So I appreciate you hopping out. Why don't you tell the, our listeners how they can find you if they haven't already? Yeah, so I run the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. So if you're on Instagram, Facebook, uh, YouTube, I videoed this hunt, so it'll be up on YouTube here uh, very soon uh, so you kind of get to see how it's shaped up. but. Um, but yeah, Bowhunter Chronicles podcast on basically anywhere, and as far as podcasts are concerned, we're literally every, everywhere, including uh, Amazon now. So you can say Alexa, play Bowhunter Chronicles podcast, and it'll come up. Awesome. Well, hey man, I appreciate you coming on, and uh, thanks for your time today. Really, really do appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Good, good catching up. I can't wait to hear about uh, how your season shapes up as well. That sounds good. We'll have to get together soon. All right, sounds good. All right, take care. Yep. Thank you so much, listeners, for coming and listening once again to the Habitat Podcast. We really appreciate it. If you could, please do us a favor. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast. If you type out something nice, I will send you a free Habitat Podcast decal. If you haven't been to our website, HabitatPodcast.com, we have our Habitat property consultation services on there under the land plan tab. Check out our HP land plans there. We also have hats, t-shirts, and decals up at habitatpodcast.com. Of course, all of our podcast episodes. And then we have a new Habitat Podcast journal where you can learn about deer anatomy and some cool thoughts, um, you know, more of a blog post from us every now and then. We'd really love it if you went over to our Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube found the Habitat Podcast, and please subscribe. That really helps us. And thank you very much to our sponsors. We have Michigan Whitetail Pursuit, Packer Max Cultipackers, Huntwise, Killer Food Plots, The Habitat Hook, Realtree United Country Land Pro, Lake States Realty and Auction, Sound Barrier Hunting, and Morse Nursery. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in once again. Get back with us soon. We're going to have another great episode for you as we become better habitat and